Freedom House. That is a cheer that God deserves right there, okay? It is so good to be in his house today. For those of you whom I have not yet had the honor to meet, my name is Morgan Mulcahy, and my husband Adam and I have been here at Freedom House for over 11 years now, and we have the honor and privilege of overseeing our youth, our young adults, also our Freedom House internship. So much fun. We also have the opportunity of being a part of our teaching team. Now, if you're new to Freedom House, maybe you don't know what that is. We have campuses all over the city of Charlotte. And instead of beaming in one speaker into all locations, our pastors, they have the vision, our incredible pastors, who love our pastors, Pastors Troy and Penny, love them. They have the vision of having a live communicator at each of our campuses. And today, family, it's me and you. It is us. I'm so pumped. I want to say one other thing about our pastors. I love them so much. Pastors Troy and Penny Maxwell, we have been under their leadership for, as we said, over 11 years now. And we've never been more grateful, Adam and I, to be under their leadership. They are strong. They are anointed. They're faithful to the call that God has on their life. Aren't you grateful? Let's give it up one more time for our senior pastors. They're incredible. And we also want to give a shout out to all of our live streamers. We got people tuning in from everywhere, okay, across the globe. Hello to you from Puerto Rico, North Carolina, Georgia, Maine, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Michigan, New Jersey, New Jersey, New York, Montana, South Carolina, Illinois, Virginia, Indiana, Iowa, Mike Drop. Can we give it up for our online streamers? It's almost like we should say who's not tuning in. We should just say who's not tuning in. And family, it's going to be a fun, fun summer. It's going to be a fun summer. As you saw, we are kicking off a new series all summer long called What Does the Bible Say About? What does the Bible say about all summer long? We're going to be talking about culturally relevant topics through the lens of the Bible. And so you probably got summer plans. Okay, don't miss out on church. I'm telling you, tune in. Catch the messages back. We have an incredible lineup, and I'm super pumped to kick it off today. And I want to start it with a question, but I need you to be honest in church, okay? You got to be honest with me today. How many of you in here would say you are an aggressive driver? Like, let's just be honest. Here. Okay, wow, a lot of you. Okay, you're like, I like the horn. It's there for a reason. Maybe you're like, blood just begins to boil. Somebody just takes an extra second at that light when it turns green, and you're like, ah, like, let's go. Okay, I, I am not normally, you can see where this is about to go. I'm not normally an aggressive driver. Okay, you wanna get in front of me, honey? Come on. You take a little extra time at that light? Okay, that does change, however, under one circumstance. I don't know if I'm proud to say this. It changes when people do not use their turn signal. Literally, if something rises up, man, bad, bad, bad things start rising up to the surface. Words, hand gestures, right? Okay, literally, this is what I want to do, truly. I, I want to, whatever plans I had, if you cut me off, I'm following you. Like, I'm going to cancel my plans. I'm following you. And when we get to where, wherever you're going, we're on your time now, buddy. When we get there, when we get there, we're getting out and we're going to, I'm just kidding. I'm not that confident, <laughs> but I got some words for you. And you know, what's funny. This actually happened to me in high school. So literally 
I was with a friend in high school. We were going through the neighborhood, exiting the neighborhood, and we cut, we did, we cut a guy off. Dang it, if he did not follow us all the way to the McDonald's. You remember this? Because Adam was at the McDonald's. He was meeting us. And that guy gets out the car and his hands are waving and he's got words. People in the drive-thru are honking at him. It was a scene. And literally in the moment as a teenager, I was like, this man is crazy. But now, I'm like, honestly, I kind of feel you, man. Because that is what we want to do. He just did what everybody else wants to do, what I want to do, okay? He did what we want to do. Isn't that so relatable? In in other words, don't we just have that desire? Like when somebody just does this wrong, we're like, well, whatever comes out my mouth, you opened it, okay? Like it's about to just happen. Relatable. Well, I want to talk about that today. Not road rage. (laughs) I don't want to talk about road rage. Today's topic is what does the Bible say about honor? What does the Bible say about honor? Somebody say honor. What does the Bible say about honor and dishonor? And when do I have the right to do wrong? Oh, let's get into it. I'm excited today. We're going to jump in. Listen, if you've got your Bibles, if you want to watch on the screens, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. And I want to give you some context to what's happening in this moment in history. So in this moment in history, in 1 Samuel 24, Israel's looking for a king. Surprise, they actually had one. They knew they had one, it was God. But they looked to their neighboring nations and they were like, we want a king like them. They have a human king. And so that wasn't God's desire, but he let them have it. And he said to the prophet Samuel, go and anoint a man named Saul. Now we're gonna talk about Saul here in a little bit. But over time, Saul just proved to be a terrible king. Like, bad, making disobedient choices towards God. And ultimately, God ended up rejecting him, totally rejecting him. And and he told the prophet Samuel, I'm rejecting Saul. Go and anoint a man named David. Maybe you've heard of David. Well, I want to talk about their relationship, Saul and David, leading up to this moment, because it's very interesting. So Saul initially embraced David. Saul Saul saw that, Saul Saul, you like that? Saul was there when David killed Goliath. So Saul was like, hey, come be a part of my army. And he initially embraced David, but over time, as David's notoriety grew, Saul became super jealous, super envious and angry towards David. And the Bible says that multiple times David, or Saul up until this moment, had tried to kill David. I'm talking hurling spears, When's the last time you had a spear hurled at you, you know? Uh, He was getting put in the front of armies, trying to get him in a position to be killed. Saul is taking his own armies out to try to find David to kill him. And so when we show up in 1 Samuel 24, verse one, we see that Saul is yet again trying to take his troops, trying to find David to kill him. Let's read it together. This is 1 Samuel 24, verse one goes like this. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself, but as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. 
Now's your opportunity. David's men whispered to him, today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemies into your power to do with as you wish. Oh man, so let's paint the picture here. Saul has been chasing David. David's running for his life yet again. Takes a little potty break in the midst of looking for David. Goes into a cave to relieve himself, very vulnerable position. And in this moment, David has what seems like the perfect opportunity to retaliate against Saul. Let's see what he does. It goes on to say, so David crept forward and he cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience, it began bothering him because he cut Saul's robe and he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. And after Saul had left the cave, this is interesting, and he's about to go on his way, David came out and shouted to him, my Lord the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. And then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it's not true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in that cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. Look, look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a, a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. And hear this, he said, this proves I'm not trying to harm you. I've not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting to kill me. What a crazy story. I mean, see, here we see David, man after God's heart, righteous man of God, and he is totally being dishonored over and over by Saul. And in the moment where he had the most right, the most opportunity to dishonor, he doesn't do it. You know, it's really easy for us to honor people when they treat us well. But what I love about this story is that it really reveals to us what honor looks like in those difficult moments, those tempting moments. And I believe this story reveals to us the way that God desires us to honor others. Because you see, here's the truth. When David honored Saul, he really honored God. And when we honor others, we honor God. When we honor others, we honor God. So culture today is riddled with dishonor. I mean, it's everywhere. It's almost like people are just waiting, like waiting for you to mess up so they can pounce in that chat bar. They can pounce on social media, right? They can pounce in the newspapers. It's like we've just got this huge culture of dishonor. We see it in riots. We see it in looting of businesses. We see it in cancel culture. And it's like the world is just convinced that we need to balance the scales when the Bible just points us in such a different direction. I mean, the world says, meet dishonor with dishonor. And the Bible says, man, when you're dishonored, honor still. Jesus says it this way in Luke chapter six, but to you who are listening, church, are we listening today? He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
So what is it? What is it about our nature that just desires this dishonor? Well, maybe you've heard it said, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And I really believe that's true because often our desire to dishonor, if we're honest with ourselves, comes from our own hurt. It comes from an insecurity, a shame, a fear, a lack of confidence, ultimately a lie somewhere that we've believed that's not true about us. The enemy has planted a lie in us and we're living out of that lie and out of that hurt, we're hurting others. And so family, when we feel the desire to dishonor, we need to look inward. We need to look at ourselves because it's likely that we've believed something about ourselves, about a situation that happened to us that now defines us. And out of that place, we form our actions and those things were never true to begin with. You know, when we look at the story and the history of Saul, we see that he was actually a really insecure guy. Super insecure. You see in 1 Samuel 9, he's described as handsome. He's physically fit for the kingship. But literally when the prophet Samuel goes to bring him out to the people as the king, he's hiding. Like people have to go find him and be like, no, really, buddy, this is, this is it. This is happening. Like he has this insecurity about him and we see it in his decision-making as a king. He makes poor decisions. The prophet Samuel's constantly coming and rebuking him and ultimately, finally, when David starts rising up in success, we see him just totally tear David down. And it could be maybe that Saul believed the lie that he, he wasn't good enough, that he wasn't fit for that. Maybe he believed that he had to perform to be accepted and what did he do, family? What did he do out of that insecurity? He constantly dishonored, constantly dishonored David. And isn't that kind of what we do? If we're honest, like something in our lives, maybe something someone spoke over us, a situation that happened to us, it's not what God wanted, it's not what he says, but here we are and out of that hurt, we hurt others. Maybe it's the lie that you're not good enough Maybe you've believed that your worth is based off of money or power. Maybe it's that you feel like you're never smart enough or you're not gonna be capable enough. And out of those insecurities, we do the same thing. We do the same thing that Saul did. We dishonor. And so in contrast, we can look to the life of David to see what that doesn't look like. Like David was not insecure, he loved God. You can read it in the Psalms, he had a passion for God, he knew who God called him to be. And that's how in those moments of dishonor, he chose honor still. And you know, we can do that. Like we can do that. When we have that desire to dishonor family, can we just pump the brakes, just for a second, before we wanna post that thing. Before we wanna say that thing, before we wanna pop back, just pump the brakes. And can we just for a moment say, hey God, what's going on in me? Like, what's going on in me that's causing me to feel this way, that's causing me to wanna pop back? And when we do that, we can choose a different path and we can choose to honor others. And when we honor others, we honor God. Somebody say, when we honor others, we honor God. And you know who's really good at helping us look inward, helping us to realize those areas of weakness and helping us to ultimately overcome that desire to dishonor? Not your mama, but we do love a mama, right? 
not your sister, not your counselor, the ultimate counselor, the great comforter, our helper, the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Somebody give it up for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life of honor. David was empowered by Saul's, or by the Spirit of God and his relationship with God. And out of that place, he didn't have to dishonor Saul. You know, in Romans chapter eight, Paul says something, it's so applicable. He says it to the New Testament church. It's for us today. Romans chapter eight, he says this, Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws. It never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But this is for you, church, today. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled. You can give it up for that. Praise God. Thank the Lord. It says you're not controlled by the Spirit. You are controlled by the Spirit of God if you have the Spirit of God living in you. It goes on in verses 12 and 13. I love this. He says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You will live. And so it's kind of, like in our inner selves, we're caught between two opposing forces. Have you ever seen the movie Inside Out? Anybody seen Inside Out? I love that. I feel like I relate. It's about this little girl, and she's got these different uh, situations in life, but you see her life through the perspective of her mind, and there's this giant switcher board, and all her feelings are around it. Joy, sadness, and Joy's over here like, let's pull this lever, and sadness is like, let's do this, and, like, and then Anger comes over and is like, ah, wiping the board down. This is what it feels like, if we're honest. Like, this is what it feels like in us. We got sin, that's over here trying to push this button. But then righteousness is like, no, no, let's do this. And then you got your spirit that's like, oh, yes, God. And then you got your flesh that's like, oh, yes, fill in the blank, right? And it feels like that. But what I love about what Paul said is this. We have the ability with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome that desire to dishonor. The Holy Spirit, it's kind of like he's the override button. Yeah, like he gets it real quick. Oh, praise God for that because I was about to go crazy. Holy Spirit can come and help us. Let me tell you the truth. In our own flesh, without engaging the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna make a bold statement. We all are useless. Like we are all useless. Listen, Becky sends you that email and you say, ooh, Becky, reply, passive aggressive comments. <laughs> and you're like, send. You could try not to send it without the Holy Spirit. Good luck. You got your neighbor and you're like, hey, buddy. And then suddenly, like over the course of the conversation, you realize he didn't vote the way you voted. Oh, and you don't like that. And so suddenly you got words in your mouth and you're like, someone's gonna have to come and put their hand over it because I'm about to say some things. Try on your own without the Holy Spirit to hold those things in. You are not gonna be able to do it. We need the Holy Spirit and we will fall short. 
if we do not have him. And can I tell you, in order to hear from him, in order to know him, we have to spend time with God. We have to spend time with him. You know, honor is a great indicator of our relationship and our proximity to God. Honor's a great indicator of that. Because can I tell you, when you're in God's presence and you're listening to what he has to say, and you're just experiencing his love, it is a lot harder to go out there and cuss out your neighbor. Because you just spent amazing quality time with the King of Kings, whom you love, who you know loves you. It's a lot easier to, to rein that in when we've spent time. Ooh, and I'm gonna say something that might step on your toes. Time does not look like opening that Bible app and reading one verse. Oh, there's a good start. That's a great start. But guys, sometimes, I think time is our biggest enemy. I just don't have time. Guys, we gotta make it. If we got time for Netflix, we got time for the gram, we have time that we can spend in God's presence. And it's so important. And when we do that, when we engage with God in those ways, we live an empowered life and we're able to honor others. And somebody gotta say it with me. When we honor others, we honor God. Okay, so from that, we've looked inward. We engage the Holy Spirit to help us. And when we do that, we can begin to bridge a gap that seems really prevalent in our culture today. What is that gap? Well, it's that tension that we often feel between truth and love. Honor bridges the gap between truth and love. Church, did you know that truth and love, they're actually the same thing? They're meant to be joined at the hip. They're meant to be one. How do I know this? The Bible says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Goes on to say, God is love. So in full godliness, truth and love are not separate things. They're connected. They're one. And so what happened? Why do we feel like there's such a divide? Well, culture and our sin nature has just drawn a line and over time eroded, eroded, eroded. And now it just feels like there's a canyon between truth and love. So Adam and I actually went to the Grand Canyon this last September, incredible. A friend said, the pictures don't do it justice. Correct, they don't, you gotta go. But as we stood there and we looked over that vast expanse of land, you know the land that was miles and miles away is actually the same land that we were standing on. Like the, the land that was under our feet was the same land as the one across the canyon. How, how did that happen? Well, a river with a current over time eroded, eroded, eroded away. And now it just looks like they're two totally separate things when they actually aren't. Truth and love are the same way. They're two sides of the same piece of land. But the current of culture and sin nature has just eroded that away. And over time, it's honestly made us feel like we have to pick one. It feels like we gotta pick truth or we gotta pick love. And that is just not the case, family. Here's a quote from a famous author and pastor that I love. It says this, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone is to agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. 
you don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. It's true. And so here's the truth for us today. You do not have to sacrifice truth for love's sake, and you do not have to sacrifice love for truth's sake. As believers, we are called to embrace both, and you know what bridges the gap? Honor. Because, see, if I just told you all the truth, I'm like, truth, truth, but I disregarded doing it in love, I'm dishonoring you. Because I've totally neglected your feelings, I've totally neglected grace and mercy for you, compassion, but at the same time, if I'm just all love, all love, and I disregard truth, then I'm dishonoring you because I am actively playing into your deception, actively playing into the lies that you're believing. We have to embrace both, and we see David do this. David did this. This is so interesting to me. Did you know, have you thought about, he didn't have to go out of that cave after Saul left. So he, he could have just cut the robe, oh, guilt-stricken, stayed in, told his man, stop. And Saul could have gone on his way, but he didn't do that. He went out. He went out and he yelled to Saul, and he said, Saul, hear me, what you believe is not right. What you're saying, what you're, what you're making your actions and the motives for your actions, they're wrong. They're wrong, they're not right. He found a way to connect the truth with the love. And in doing that, he honored Saul. He told him the truth. He connected truth and love in that moment. And that is what we're called to do. And here at Freedom House, that's what we do. We are not going to shy away from going out and shouting and saying, hey, these things that you believe, these actions that are dictating the decisions you're making, they're not right. They're wrong. They're wrong. But at the same time, we're connecting with truth the truth with love, and we're caring for people. And in doing that, we're honoring them. And you know, one of the ways that I love that we do that here is through the way we have addressed the topic of abortion. So as a church, we're not going to stop speaking the truth about the value that God places on life, the love and the honor that he has for the unborn. We're gonna continue to speak out, but not only are we gonna use our voice, we're using our hands and our feet to serve these moms, serve these families. We're hosting baby showers. We're providing resources. We're doing our best to bridge the gap and to reflect the heart of Jesus, to reflect what David did, and in doing so, choosing honor. And when we honor others, we honor God. And church, you got plenty of opportunities. Don't we have so many opportunities to choose honor? They truly show up in so many fashions. So it could be in that email to Becky, truth and love, truth and love. It could be with a family member who's just drowning in their sin. And you need to have this conversation and say, listen, there's so much better for you. How can I help you? Truth and love. Sometimes it is. You just finished dinner and it was terrible. Your spouse cooked it, zero out of 10 stars. And then your spouse comes over and is like, honey, what did you think? And you're like, well, you know what I'm saying? Well, truth and love, truth and love, truth and love. Honor, honor, it's tough. It's tough. But can I say, when we look inward and we ask and we seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can bridge that gap.
between truth and love. And we can choose honor in the face of dishonor. And when we honor others, we honor God. You can stand to your feet with me. We're gonna close out. So I have an older sister. For those of you who didn't know, I have an older sister. She is an incredible artist. She's actually had her art featured in the Mint Museum in Uptown. Just amazing, totally talented. And as she was getting her bachelor's, as she was getting her master's, we had a lot of opportunities to go to art shows that she was in. And very quickly, you know, when I would come upon a piece of art, I found that I could tell whether or not I liked it pretty quickly, right? You walk up on a piece of art, oh, I'd put that in my house. No, I wouldn't put that in my house. But in addition to those art pieces, there's typically always something called an artist statement. And that artist statement is next to the art. And it takes a moment to let you understand more about the artist, what their intentions were, who they are as a person, the amount of energy and intentionality and effort that they put into that piece. And in other words, it gives you more perspective on the artist and though I walk away maybe not preferring the art, I can respect the art because I respect the artist. In other words, I honor the creation because I honor the creator. You know, I, I love the art that my sister makes. It's fun. It has a lot of memory, nostalgia connected to it. It's beautiful. But I love it all the more, not because of the art for art's sake, but because of the relationship that I have with my sister and the love and the honor that I have for her. And if someone went into that Mint Museum and went up to my sister's art, and threw trash all over it, threw their food all over it, I would be horrified. I'd be horrified because, yeah, I honor the creation, but how much more do I honor and love its creator? Church, how much more should we feel this way about those whom God created? Genesis 1:27 says this, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, all of them. I added that part. All of them. The ones that we love and the ones that are tougher to love. But when we choose to honor God's creation despite everything else, we're really choosing to honor the creator. And when we honor others, we honor God. You can close your eyes, we're gonna pray. You know, the ultimate way to honor God is with our life. It's with giving him everything. And maybe there are people in here today and that, that's not where you're at. That's not your relationship status with God. Maybe it's complicated, maybe it's non-existent. Did you know that he created you a masterpiece fearfully and wonderfully? He is your creator. He's alpha, omega, beginning and end. He knows the plans he has for you. They're to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. He has that for you today. And if you have not accepted that invitation to a relationship with him, it would, it would be a disservice to you to leave here without offering that opportunity. 
And I'd love to pray with you if you'd like to accept, accept that relationship with Jesus today. And I also wanna pray with another group of people and that is maybe something stood out to you today in this message. You know, the way the Holy Spirit works is through conviction. And oftentimes something that said maybe feels like it stepped on your toes a little. You know, God, God is a good God and he wants freedom for us. And so if there was something today that you just felt like resonated with you, maybe you felt like God was saying, we need to spend more time together. Maybe God was saying, you need to begin to look at these hurts and these wounds in your life so that you can receive healing from them, so that you don't always feel the need to dishonor. If you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, or you wanna respond to God and just say, hey, I hear you, I'm listening, I'm gonna be obedient to what you're asking me to do in this moment. If you're in either of those groups, would you be so bold as to raise your hand? Honestly, this is really an action step for God, but it's also really cool to see who God is working in today. There's hands across the room. I'd love to pray with us, or I'd love for us to pray together and then I wanna pray over you. Can we say this together, church? Pray it and say it out of your mouth like you mean it. Heavenly Father, I honor you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for all my mistakes and forgive me for the dishonor I may have shown others. Holy Spirit, empower me to live a life that pleases you. And heal my wounds, God, so that I may live a life of honor. And if you'll just lift your hands, Lord, I thank you so much for every single person in here who responded to your voice, responded to your prompting, where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And we're gonna walk out today honoring you by honoring your creation. And God, thank you so much for your help in that Holy Spirit. Thank you for empowering us this week in those moments to remember, man, we, when we honor others, we're honoring you and we can engage with you, Holy Spirit, at any moment, at any moment that we need your help and you're there to help us. We love you, God. We honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks.